Welcome to Idaho Education Association's Hotline Podcast, a weekly discussion about what's happening at the Idaho Legislature around public education and the policy priorities of IEA's members. IEA members are public school educators from all over the state. They're Idaho's most important education experts, and they use their influence to fight for a free, quality, and equitable public education for every student in the state. I'm Mike Journey, Communications Director at the IEA, and I'll be your host for this episode of Hotline. Today's topic is week 10 of the 2023 legislative session. With adjournment likely next week, lawmakers are done with committee hearings and working through a long roster of legislation so they can go home. Those bills include significant pay raises for educators, IEA members' top priority for the year, and tellingly do not include any voucher legislation. Joining me for today's conversation are IEA Political Director Chris Perry, Associate Executive Director Matt Compton, and Executive Director Paul Stark. Well, gentlemen, thanks for being here today for uh, a quick review of what's been happening at the Idaho Legislature. We're in week 10 of the session, and it looks like things are wrapping up. We have the, the committees are, are all finished meeting. They're, they're trying to, they're sprinting through bills on this, on both House and Senate floors. Um, things are moving forward, and uh, the, there's a lot going on, but man, it's really shaping up to be a really strong session, perhaps strong as a weak word for that, for public education. Um, Matt Compton, we have we have uh, uh, bills coming forward on salaries for educators uh, that are there, and, and they're waiting for floor votes. Um, as we record this, it sounds like this afternoon there might be a vote in the, in the House, or I'm sorry, in the Senate on that, um, one of those bills. Um, so let's uh, talk a little bit about this. So the... Uh, public school budgets are made up of seven different appropriations. Uh, three of them are the ones that we're tracking, and it deals with teacher pay um, and classified pay, uh, and then some of the central services that has discretionary money in it. They've all been assigned bill numbers uh, as of yesterday. And typically, session after session, these are the last bills that are considered by the legislature. They're, they're called go-home bills, um, and uh, – it, it, it typically the the legislature will take these up as kind of the, the final measure, and it's because public education makes up well over fifty percent of the state's budget, um, and so um, they they put a lot of consideration into it. Uh, but we anticipate that the the Senate will vote um, to approve these later this afternoon, and then likely you know, Monday, Tuesday of next week, the House will take them up. Uh, the reason that I feel so confident about this is because uh, all of those bills came out of JFAC, the Joint Finance and Appropriations Committee, uh, overwhelmingly with support. And there just hasn't been um, a lot of indication that there's going to be folks who raise a fuss about this. There's obviously going to be those individuals who have voted against every appropriation this year, Um and they will uh, be held to account on that. Uh, but those folks, folks who vote in favor of it will get a round of applause and a thank you from educators from across the state. Yeah, that's right. And Paul, you know, this was the, the governor's kind of one of his top priorities for the legislative session. And, and it's, it's gone pretty well. I think when uh, our members, uh, a good chunk of our members get together at delegate assembly uh, in April, they're going to, there's going to be a lot to celebrate. I think they're going to be really happy about what's coming through in the salary realm. And so, uh, Think there's going to be a celebration? Yeah, there's lots of celebrate. Loads and loads. This has been one for the records books. Um, <clears throat> not only uh, what we were able to achieve, but what uh, didn't happen is equally as important. Yeah. And so I think there's uh, there's lots to celebrate, and it should give educators a lot more confidence in uh, public education in Idaho. Yeah, right. Uh, so, uh, Chris, one of the things that didn't happen this year, there were 
seven voucher bills that came forward, probably a new record, I would imagine. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, the influence of our members has been key, not only in getting salaries to to a point where we think that they're going to be going through pretty easily, but but they've been key in defeating all seven of these bills in one way or another. We had three come forward this week, uh, or well, have action taken on this week. Tell us a little about those three bills and, uh, and, and what happened with them. Sure. And first, I don't mean to uh, correct you, Mike, but oh. I think it's week 10,000 of the <laughs> legislative session. And yes, uh, three uh, uh, ESA voucher bills kind of popped their heads up this week in different kind of forms, um, each of them kind of interesting in their own right. So uh, the first one was Senate Bill 1161, uh, which was sponsored by Senator Den Hartog. Which we've um, talked about a couple times. Yeah. yeah. This is the one that um, would have taken uh, about half of the funding for empowering parents and turned uh the empowering, empowering parents grant system, which provides uh, micro grants to to parents, uh, whether they're public school parents, private school parents, homeschool parents, uh, to invest in education educational materials in the home. Um, this is one that we got behind last year, recognizing that it that investments in the home are valuable uh, and support students. Um, however, uh, the, the bill sponsors this year um, turned back around and wanted to undermine that program by adding vouchers into it, basically. Um, so we fought against that one pretty hard. It did pass the Senate floor last week, uh, on a vote of 19 in favor, 15 against, and one absent. Um, but as it was headed to the House Education Committee, um, it became pretty clear that this bill had no path forward either through the House Education Committee or potentially even on the House floor, if, even if it did make it out of, uh, the committee. So the bill sponsors pulled it, uh, ahead of that hearing, um, kind of mercifully, um, and then there were the two other ones. One was uh, put forward by Representative Hawkins, um, and that one didn't last too long. It was put on the House Reven- Revenue and Taxation Committee agenda, and then pretty quickly, just it wasn't even heard for a print hearing. So that one ended pretty quick. And then the last one is one sponsored by Senator Ben Adams, um, which uh, is a tuition tax credit voucher. Um, basically, you would spend money on private school tuition and then uh, you would retroactively get that tax credit based on not being in public school um, the next year. So um, another one that we lobbied a bit on and have worked against. And to be honest, this one was at the 11th hour and just didn't have a chance to ever be heard by that committee. Um, so we just ran out of time on that one. I think it's really important to to, to emphasize, to punctuate uh, how – the quote unquote school choice movement this this year was supposed to be kind of a slam dunk mm-hmm. across the country. Um, I was reading a, a, a Fox News uh, article from mid-February, and it says the school choice revolution is going pedal to the metal, setting the stage for possibly the best year in U.S. history for education, educational empowerment. And they talk about how there were like over 50 pieces of legislation nationwide and states like Arkansas, Indiana, Idaho, Florida, Nebraska, Ohio, Oklahoma, South Carolina, Texas, and Wyoming were all adopting some kind of uh, school choice or universal voucher program. Um, it, what I'd like to do is 
you get to carve out Idaho off of that mm-hmm. list mm-hmm. Um, because we are one of the very few states uh, that were able to weather this assault on public education. Um, while other states had governors like uh, Governor Abbott in Texas or Governor Sanders Huckabee in Arkansas who were strong advocates, uh, we here at home actually had uh, a strong advocate for public education in Governor Brad Little, um, who was steadfast and put forth a budget in his state of the state uh, that recognized the importance of public schools here in Idaho. And and there are several key lawmakers involved in that as well. Uh, and of course, our members coming and talking with member uh, with lawmakers during lobby day and, and all the 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 local lobby days that we had throughout the year. Um, uh, hundreds and hundreds of conversations with lawmakers about about uh, pay, about vouchers. Um, shaping up to be a really great, barring any surprises, shaping up to be one of the the, the best sessions uh, uh, that I can remember in the twenty years that I've been. Watching the legislature, so yeah. all the way from the all the way from the uh, primary elections in 2022 to the general elections in 2022 to the leg- this legislative session, there's a through line of IEA members taking Absolutely. action to support pro education candidates and then pro education policy and to kill bad policy, uh, and it's pretty incredible to take that all three of those major events as a whole and look at how it all kind of fit together to lead to this such a successful. Uh, legislative session and not to mention also the special session in September, which was also kind of a, an act of political genius for public schools. I was, I was thinking, uh, that Chris and I were marveling this, this morning about, uh, we would send out a text message to members saying, reach out to your lawmakers. And within an hour or two hours, we would have 100 to 250 responses mm-hmm. in, in just a matter of, of hours. And, uh, it's, it's those voices, it's those communications, it's those relationships that were developed during lobby day and that at the local lobby Lobby days that have been so effective um, during this legislative session. Yeah, and educators have so much free time, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and exactly. these are all personalized emails. We always emphasize that in all of our online actions. Like, make sure you're you're personalizing your emails. We don't want duplicates. We don't want form emails. And they're taking time out of their day to take to share action. their why. Yeah, yeah, they're sharing their why. This is why it's important for me, my students, in my classroom, or for mm-hmm. my colleagues. Uh, and then it's really, really effective. It's awesome. Yeah. Well, Paul, there was another bill that came forward this week. There, another uh, library bill that was out there that that's been been happening, and and there was some really interesting uh, testimony around that from people who take an interest in education policy, and, and in particular, you, you noted the the Idaho Freedom Foundation and and a little bit of a, a, a hide the ball game that they might be playing with uh, with some, with the way that they testify on these different bills. Yeah, a little bit of duplicity is what I'd call it because yeah. there was a bill that came up that had to do with uh, enabling filters, uh, content filters for web browsers on cell phones when they're activated. And in that situation, the Idaho Freedom Foundation's communication director stood up and basically said, you know, we shouldn't let have the government doing this. You know, this is the parents' responsibility, which, you know, in some part is true. You know, the parents do play a role in, obviously, in their children's uh, uh, actions and, and what what they do with uh, content they receive. But it's the direct opposite of what they've said about this uh, library bill. The library bills are well publicized about, you know, content restrictions. And strangely, uh, the Idaho Freedom Foundation in those situations uh, desperately wanted the government to come in and replace the parent and and uh, make the decisions about what content could be involved. So the duplicity is uh, is really, frankly, very interesting. But um, uh, the library bill, we hope uh, it's uh, it's uh, pending, as we said, on the on the 14th order, and we'll see where it ends up. 
But, uh, you know, it's just one of these uh, never-ending culture wars that, um, you know, they're trying to find leverage. It's interesting that a couple of years ago, it was all about critical race theory and all about what happening in public schools. And the lieutenant governor and other people uh, had these hearings, which found nothing, absolutely nothing. Well, that they figured out um, that well is kind of dry. And so now they're going after higher ed. And it's all about diversity and inclusion in higher ed. And, and the boogeymen that they see all around them uh, never materializes because here in Idaho we're sensible and uh, we listen to our communities and uh, things aren't uh, what they're being represented at. I've said this before and, and I'll continue to say it that uh, these campaigns um, that serve to discredit public schools are, are all part of the rationalization for things like vouchers that that the institutions that we we trust, public schools, libraries, um, have become some kind of um, boogeyman that's indoctrinating students or exposing them to uh, harmful materials. And what that's supposed to do is make the public f- lose trust and then divest their um, – the tax dollars from that and send it to, to private or parochial schools. Uh, and uh, in, in states across the country, it's worked. Uh, but at this point, we've been able to stave off those those uh, assaults and threats um, because we're kind of speaking rationally. We have become the rational oasis in in Idaho politics, where uh, as long as, um, as we maintain our truth um, and integrity, uh, the both the the people and lawmakers listen and respect. And there's, I think there's a huge missing piece of the calculation on, you know, the side of the people pushing vouchers and, you know, pushing vouchers with one side of their mouth, and then these uh, crazy conspiracy theories with the other side of their mouth, all working together to kind of privatize public education. The the miscalculation was that there would be no blowback on them, that their credibility would be stellar throughout this whole process. But the harder they attack public schools the clearer it becomes that these folks are not out to support the people of Idaho um, and not an, a trusted ally when it comes to legislation. So you watch their influence wane and wane and more and more ed- uh, educators or legislators come out uh, to kind of stand up for public schools and stand against the kind of inflammatory rhetoric and straight up lies uh, put out by that side. So when, when you watch the debate that takes place both in committee and on, on the House or Senate floor, you're starting to see a real divide, mm-hmm. particularly in the Republican Party, where people are getting a little punchy um, and uh, they're they're taking truth back. Um, while I see that they might be losing a little bit of the decorum, uh, folks are frustrated by the outlandish things that people on kind of the alt-right are saying, even on the Senate floor where they're being called um, called to the floor for the, the comments that they're making and their mm-hmm. colleagues are just not not having any of it. If I can add one last thing, I know we've been talking about this, but uh, we see over and over again in polling and in really every evidence we look at that uh, public, local public school teachers and educators are trusted. Their communities actually love their, their local schools and they do trust their local educators. So anybody listening to this, uh, this is all kind of this legislative fight, but we should understand at the local level, our communities support our schools, and we've seen that in the passage of levies and bonds. We see that in, uh, you know, just polling about uh, opinions about educators. And so uh, I don't think anybody should uh, fret at the local level. You're still very beloved by your local community. Absolutely. So I wanted to uh, to touch really quickly on, you know, there have been a, a couple of uh, bills come forward this year in relation to uh, school elections. Um, and the elections that are held, uh, uh, in, in various months throughout the year. Um, we just had an election 
um, uh, in March and there's another one coming up in May and we've already got members in, in at least one major, uh, one major local, uh, looking at that and, and really drilling down and, and trying to, uh, to overcome a loss in the March election to get funding for our schools. Again, the fact that we have to have these elections at all, uh, uh, speaks, speaks, speaks volumes about how, uh, public education is funded in the state. Uh, but, but, uh, but our members are really rallying. It sounds like up in Coeur d'Alene where these are happening. And we've got a, a number of other ones on the, on the ballot, right, Chris? You bet. Yeah. So, uh, the Coeur d'Alene, Coeur d'Alene ran two levies in March and unfortunately both of them, uh, failed, but they're coming back in May with a different ask, uh, just one levy. Um, and yeah, the, the local members up there are doing a great job, uh, activating, uh, members and allies in the community and organizing to make sure that, you know, we're knocking doors and making phone calls and doing all the work that it would take to, to get something like this across the line, because it is a dire situation up there in North Idaho. It's Coeur d'Alene, you know, Lakeland as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and a few other, and I'm, I'm sure we'll see we'll see a number of of of, of districts that oh definitely lost in in March probably coming back in right. May, um, and then of course you know our members will be be heavily involved um, in those in their in their local in their local areas, um, uh, and then of course we're looking forward in November to school board elections and thing and and. Mm-hmm. Uh, they get involved in those as well. So, yeah. uh, I mean, I, I think for any, any members listening and Paul's been really good about pointing this out as well. The, since the school districts themselves can't advocate much for these levies and bonds, it really does fall to the, to the local association in these areas to take it upon themselves to do the, the work of persuasion, basically. Like, here's why this is valuable. Um, you know, not just the kind of upfront fact stuff, but also the, the persuasive language that you need to do and get on doors and all the other stuff. It kind of does fall to the teachers. And the reason that we saw the failure up in you know, failures up in North Idaho is that you have this active um, mm-hmm. Republican Central Committee that notably has endorsed white nationalists in the past mm-hmm. uh, that are actively trying to uh, to to defund public schools. Um, and then when the, the, the school says, uh, if we don't pass the levy, we're not going to be able to have sports. Now they're kind of whining and crying that the, the the football team or the basketball team or the wrestling team or the cheerleading squad uh, isn't going to be funded, uh, and and these are the like the, these are the real repercussions for when um, you want to defund schools. Is that the first thing that's going to go are the uh, extracurriculars that are so popular in the community? And I, I look forward to our members in these uh, these districts highlighting uh, those losses. It, it's interesting because that central committee up there. Too too, has endorsed some levies, um, and those ones can fail too. And I think what we're seeing is, is a loss of control uh, kind of across the board on that side of things, that they've unleashed this kind of uh, whirlwind of lies and paranoia that they even they can't rein back in. It's a really bad situation. And all, and all the chaos at North uh, Idaho College is, is – Tied up in with this as well. Exactly. I mean, and and we have members in the Idaho legislature who come directly from that conversation that's happening up there as well, and 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 the the the, the challenges that are, and they're bringing that kind of mentality to uh, to some of the things that happen in the legislature. So that's it's it's it matters, and it's it's a big deal. And on a high note, we had we had um, uh, the, educate, the Idaho Teacher of the Year, Carolyn Ritson, uh, uh, at the at the uh, State House this week. She 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 pr- did a presentation to the uh, House and Senate Education Committees about 
retaining educators and the importance of retaining educators. She did a fantastic job. She's a wonderful woman and a great, a great teacher, a proud IEA member. Um, and uh, she, she represented the education community. Well, she talked a lot about what really struck me was, was she mentioned, she mentioned that, that her message was what she heard from her colleagues and what they wanted her to tell the lawmakers. And, and it all sounded very familiar. There's a lot of things that our members have been telling us for a long time that she brought up uh, that our educators need. One, and one thing in particular I thought that was really important that she brought up was she said, we need to be able to teach social emotional learning. We need to be able to talk and teach uh, uh, our, our youngsters about how to regulate their emotions, about how to have social interactions and do the things that we need to do. And that's become an, a, 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 a sore point for many of our members who are thinking about leaving the profession, those opportunities to be able to really engage with their members. She talked about funding. She talked about all the things that we've talked about on this podcast many times and, and talk and heard from our members. And she did a great job. You guys have any other thoughts about what, about what you heard from her? Uh, you know, I, I had, really hoped that this legislature would take up like a social, emotional or behavioral health as an issue um, because of what we've seen over the last handful of years coming out of uh, the COVID pandemic and what educators are experiencing, particularly with uh, the lack of adults in the building, um, the the too few classified employees that we have. Um, and instead of really championing um, the, the needs of students in the classroom, we had seven pieces of legislation uh, that would have uh, allowed vouchers to defund public schools so parents could, you know, fund the tuition for private and parochial schools. There was no attention given to the students in the classroom. Mm. Um, and uh, that that's just extraordinarily disappointing that our legislature, when given an opportunity uh, to take on such a significant issue that we've been talking about all session prior to this session, uh, it is what our members shared with lawmakers during lobby day. Uh, and there was just a complete total failure to act. It's so nice to have someone like uh, Karen Lauritsen come in and have the courage to say to lawmakers that social emotional learning is a needed priority in our schools and that it is valuable to students. It's not some wild conspiracy theory. It's not a dirty word. Right, That's what she exactly, said. Exactly. Right. Like the, <laughs> to have someone come up and be able to say that to them, I think is part and parcel to why IE members are so important to have in that building. Yeah. They aren't shy about the realities of what's happening in the classroom. I've talked to many legislators over the past two months or 10,000 weeks or whatever um, about how uh, critical and, and impactful these behavioral issues are, like addressing these behavioral issues would be to to our teachers and, and support staff and administrators and everyone is a systemic problem. And legislators, I think, are starting to wake up to that. It is disappointing we didn't see legislation this year, but I'm so encouraged by the conversations that we've had and from uh, and IA members like like Karen who can come down here and mm. and really speak truth to power. It's Karen awesome. is a is a remarkable powerhouse. She's a, a massive advocate for both the profession and the students in her classroom. And all the while, she's working on her PhD. I mean, this is a uh, well. Is, she's she's co president of her local. Right. Hmm? She. I mean, she's she's so heavily engaged in this. She, this she eats and breathes this stuff. Right. And so it's it's really fantastic. To IEA members talk. truly truly care about the students in their classroom yeah. and their profession. Yeah. All right, guys, that's all I have for today. Thanks for joining me again. Thanks, Thank Mike. Yeah, thanks, Mike. Thank you for listening to Idaho Education Association's Hotline Podcast. Thanks as well to my colleagues, Chris Perry, Matt Compton, and Paul Stark for the conversation. 
I'm Mike Journey, and as always, I hope you'll join me in thanking Idaho's public school educators for everything they do for our state students, families, and public education. Thank you.